Thank you for downloading this episode of our podcast. Hi, and welcome to the podcast for Solomon Staircase Masonic Lodge number 357, where we talk about all things related with Freemasonry, including hermetic teachings, philosophy, reason, spirituality, and much more. We're located in Buena Park, Southern California. Tune in as we continue to update our podcast with informative talks and articles for Masons worldwide and those who would like to inquire within. The following article is from the February 1997 Scottish Rite Journal of Freemasonry, Southern Jurisdiction, USA. Fundamentals of Freemasonry by Robert A. Vowell, 33rd Degree. The three R's of Freemasonry are respect, ritual, and renewal. The essentials or basics of our fraternity can be summarized by the old adage of the three R's of our educational system, reading, writing, and arithmetic. Fraternally, the three R's are respect, ritual, and renewal. Our fraternity teaches respect, especially respect for God, the Creator and Father of all. Before a man can become a Mason, he must firmly believe in the existence of one true God and the immortality of the soul. One of the first lessons taught is to ask divine guidance in all our endeavors. Masonic reverence for God makes no requirement regarding religion, sectarian, or denominational. Masonry teaches respect for the rights and opinions of others, as well as the religious and political views of others, without allowing our own particular opinions to interfere with true brotherly love and friendship. If we respect the fatherhood of God, then we can accept the brotherhood of man. The next essential is ritual. Masonry has been defined as a beautiful system of morality, veiled in allegory and illustrated by symbols. Ritual is one of the oldest methods of teaching. Our fraternity uses this form to teach great and important lessons, lessons of truth and life. Yet the teachings of our ritual and their meanings are left to the individual Mason. Only he can determine those significances and apply them to his life. It is a matter of the individual heart. In fact, it is the duty of each Mason to seek out the great lessons of life from the ritual. The ritualistic ceremonies beautifully portray lessons that reflect growth and awareness from youth and manhood to the maturity of age. To make one wiser and better and happier is the aim of Freemasonry. This, in turn, promotes social virtues and the general welfare of society. When a Mason is able to recite the lectures and ritual with an understanding of those lessons, then, and only then, do they become a way of life. In the words of Reverend Joseph Fort Newton, 33rd degree, a noted author, theologian, educator, and Mason, a man is a Mason, quote, when he can look out over the rivers, the hills, and the far horizon with a profound sense of his own littleness in the vast scheme of things, and yet have faith, hope, and courage, which is the root of every virtue, when he has learned how to make friends and to keep them, and above all, how to keep friends with himself, when he can be happy and high-minded amid the meaner drudgeries of life, when no voice of distress reaches his ears in vain, and no hand seeks his aid without response, when he finds good in every faith that helps any man to lay hold of divine things and see majestic meanings in life, whatever the name of that faith may be, when he can look into a wayside puddle and see something beyond mud, and into the face of the most forlorn fellow mortal and see something beyond sin, when he knows how to pray, how to love, how to hope, when he has kept faith with himself, with his fellow man, and with his God, in his hand a sword for evil, in his heart a bit of song, glad to live, but not afraid to die. 
Such a man has found the only real secret of masonry, and the one which it is trying to give to all the world. End quote. This brings us to the third R, renewal. There is much discussion today about renewal. Many brethren have become alarmed at our declining membership. The task of renewal belongs to everyone. Many men live a lifetime and never know that they must ask for admission to the world's oldest, most purposeful, and greatest fraternity. They do not realize that they will not be invited. They must come in of their own free will and accord without persuasion. The renewal of our fraternity is not dependent upon the millions of good moral would-be Masons. The task of renewal is dependent upon the brethren. How much visible proof within your community does your lodge have? What effects do you or your lodge have in your community? Do we as Masons in all walks of life revere God, have respect for our brethren, and remain dedicated to freedom and liberty? Do we practice charity and brotherly love? If we are a society of builders, what are we building? When we begin to answer these questions, then we will have started the process of renewal. I am reminded of a story about a young man who wanted to test the wisdom of an old wise man of his village. He decided to ask the wise man a question. Holding a small bird in his hands behind his back, he asked the wise man if the bird were alive or dead. If the wise man answered alive, the young man was going to break the bird's neck. If the wise man answered the bird was dead, he would let the bird live. Armed with this plan, the young man went to the wise man and put the question to him. After a pause, the wise man looked into the eyes of the youth and said, The answer to the question is in your hands. Similarly, brethren, the answer to the renewal of fraternity is in your hands. The following article is from the September 1997 Scottish Rite Journal of Freemasonry, Southern Jurisdiction, USA. The title of the article is Situational Masonry by Jim Tresner, 33rd Degree. Freemasonry may well be the only men's support group, in quotes, for ethics in the world. The term situational masonry was used by my brother, Jack Tresner, 32nd degree, the other day, and the words have remained with me. He was speaking of a mason we both know, a brother who seems to be able to put on and take off his masonry at will. It's not that I expect a mason to manage to live consistently by the precepts of the Scottish Rite. I myself fail at least ten times a day. But I do expect a Mason to be bothered by his own failures. It isn't a new problem. Albert Pike wrote in Morals and Dogma, A man may be of a good sort of man, in general, and yet a very bad man in particular. Good in the lodge and bad in the world. Good in public and bad in his family. Good at home and bad on a journey to a strange city. Many a man earnestly desires to be a good Mason. He says so and is sincere. But if you require him to resist a certain passion, to sacrifice a certain indulgence, to control his appetite at a particular feast, or to keep his temper in a dispute, you will find that he does not wish to be a good Mason in that particular case, or wishing is not able to resist his worst impulses. Pike would not have claimed perfection for himself. He fought a duel, after all, and fully understood the temptations to anger, to passion, and to doing the easy thing. Perfection is a goal, not a reality. The issue is whether or not we strive for the goal. I've recently been heavily involved in Masonic education, teaching courses in Masonry to new and some long-time Master Masons. It is a deeply rewarding experience, and I have been strongly impressed with two things. First, there is in many new as well as experienced Masons a strong desire amounting to a passion to know more about Masonry. This in spite of the conventional wisdom that Masons aren't interested in learning about the fraternity and its teachings. 
My second impression is that a very large percent do not understand even their obligations, in spite of the fact that they memorize them and can repeat them back to me. The conversations tend to crash when I say, now what does that really mean? How do you apply that in daily life? There are important exceptions, of course. One of my good friends, a knowledgeable Mason and a past Grandmaster, tells of the day early in his Masonic career when he took the 14th degree. Up until that time, he had taken the name of God in vain frequently, sometimes several times in a single sentence. He determined to change so that he could sit through the 14th degree without feeling of shame. It took him a year and a half of hard work, but he made it. Perhaps the greatest challenge to situational Masonry comes in the 31st degree. There, Pike, the wily old fox that he could be, sneaks in some questions for the candidate in the guise of a play set in ancient Egypt. Only gradually do you realize that the warm feeling you're experiencing is your own heart's blood flowing from the wounds Pike is opening and salting. Rephrased into modern vernacular, some of the questions would read, Have you felt smug and superior when some famous person was caught doing something wrong? Have you bought something and paid far less than the fair price for it because you knew the person was strapped for cash and had to sell? Have you talked about people behind their backs? Have you treated someone or thought about someone with contempt because he had less money than you, or because his clothes were torn and dirty, or because you didn't like the way he looked, or because he talked funny? Have you sneered at people for their actions or habits while having a different bad habit or doing other bad things yourself? Have you given to charity when you can do so at a distance, but crossed a street to avoid a bag lady? Have you helped someone get elected to an office, whether in lodge or in government, not because he was the best person for the job, but because you thought you could get a political advantage for yourself? Have you stirred up trouble between two people? Have you put down another person's race or religion or family? Have you treated someone with special respect or wanted others to think of you as his friend just because he had money? Have you bought things, clothing for example, because they were less expensive than others, even if you had reason to suspect that the low price was because they were made by exploited workers? Have you refused to help a brother Mason when you could have helped him? My hats, Masonic and otherwise, are off to you if you can honestly answer no to all of those questions. I can't. The only credit I can claim is that when I do those things, a little Masonic voice whispers in my ear, actually more often a little Masonic boot kicks me in the seat of my trousers, and says, now what did you promise? Pike makes the point continually in Morals and Dogma that Masonry is worthless unless it makes a real change in men and unless that change is manifested in their actions in the world. But we have the responsibility for making that change in ourselves. Masonry helps. It points out the path. It shows us through ritual and drama the result of thoughtfulness and thoughtlessness. It allows us to group with men who are also trying to make right choices and live by a higher standard. Freemasonry may well be the only men's support group, in quotes, for ethics in the world. But still, the change is up to us. It is a series of choices. If the famous dictum of Captain Kirk from Star Trek is correct and civilization begins when a man says, I will not kill today, Freemasonry begins when a man says, I will not hate today, or I will not tell any racial jokes today, or I will not pass on a rumor today. As long as men are imperfect, Masonry will be situational to some degree. But situation by situation, we can become better. That is the most and the least we can do. The following article is from the May 2009 Scottish Rite Reporter. 
Are We a Secret Society? by Charles L. Schubert, 32nd degree. After reviewing the fourth degree of the Scottish Rite, the Secret Master's degree, I had many questions on what is a secret and what is not. I was amazed to see that this would start the series of degrees in a fraternity that wishes to express self-enlightenment and work. I know that Freemasonry is not a secret society, but a society of many secrets. Why then are we still considered a secret society? When a man joins the fraternity, he is faced with his first degree. During the ritual, they blindfold him and keep him in the dark. This first impression has to be a lasting impression that the fraternity is a secret society. When we perform the first degree on a new candidate, is it our intention to impress upon him that we are a society of secrets? To some people, Masonry appears as a closed secret society cloaked in mystery, rituals, pomp, and ceremony. The reality is that there are only a handful of secrets which must be kept, that the real secrets of Freemasonry will be seen in our deeds. Ritual is the vehicle which conveys the sublime truths to the heart and mind. Ceremony conveys its importance. The real secrets of Masonry are passed on without obligation to non-members daily when Masons treat their equal with respect and kindness. They're treating partners with honesty and fairness and those in need with compassion, aid, and encouragement. You'll never hear the secrets of a Master Mason spoken from mouth to ear. You'll see it in his eyes, his heart, and his actions. Secret societies have existed in our society for thousands of years. In reality, they are groups with secrets and nothing more. But it is many times supposed secrets that gather the attention of many. I guess you could consider the Boy Scouts of America a secret organization. After all, they too have symbols, secret words, and even a secret handshake where one Boy Scout can identify himself to another. Since many people consider the Freemasons a society that has the idea of a new world order, I am sure that I didn't join the Freemasons to rule the world. I firmly believe that many who join any society, whether it is secret or not, undoubtedly desire to be part of some social elite, something that many feel at one time or another in their lives. There is a desire to be different from the ordinary or to be part of something special. Thinking that joining such an organization will present them with personal rewards or even self-attained goals. This type of organization could be the Boy Scouts, the United States Army, or even the Freemasons. All organizations claim to hold secret knowledge that no one else does. All claim to be the holders of some form of truth. All claim to be the chosen while considering all non-members blind to reality. All have initiation ceremonies, from the sublime to the alarming, that allow the candidate to feel that they have joined something special. During this initiation, the new candidate or member can become party to the secret wisdom the organization is trying to impart. So are we a secret society? Or a society with secrets? This you will have to decide. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a comment. We enjoy hearing from our listeners. If you really like what you heard, share this podcast with your friends and lodge members. Visit us online at solomonstaircase.org.